everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Superhouse Podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Um, you can find us on online on SoundCloud and on um, iTunes by searching for Thundercasts Podcasts, and you'll find us there. And um, we are college friends that are reconnecting. Um, we haven't seen each other in over ten years. Some of us have seen each other, met each other uh, sooner than others, but. Um, None of us are actually in the same room. Well, today we actually might have Jeremy in the same room, but that's it. And um, just to get started, I'm Andrew coming from Los Angeles. Joey, Los Angeles as well. All right. So uh, picking up, uh, Joey wasn't uh, able to um, to chime in on the Batman vs Superman talk. So we're going to kind of continue from the last episode. Um, so Joey, what do you think? I was very disappointed. Yeah. Um, I kind of just from just, I guess for the, you know, two years we've been following it and, um, I had, I, you know, I wanted to see Batman. Um, I thought it was going to be too convoluted with all the, the characters they were bringing up, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have the greatest expectations, but you know, I wanted to go see it because Batman versus Superman, uh, and came out, um, it was like worse than I thought. I just, thought that it was just a just a mess of a film it was really disappointing you know yeah well i make it sound worse than it's like i i mean i i liked parts of it it wasn't a 100 percent disappointment but yeah there, there compared are- to what we got compared to what the to the hype that i had personally god it was just missed opportunity yeah completely i heard there was like there were like six writers on it. They just went back and forth. And it just it, when you watch the end product, it looked like it, they just didn't know where they wanted to go. Uh, they didn't really spend any time to sort of get to know the characters, uh, kind of get to know their motivations. Um, let's see. What was the worst part, do you think? Worst part of that movie? Um, probably, I think it was the, the fight between Batman and Superman. They, yeah whole scene to me it felt like a youtube fan film that looked really good um and the it, maybe it was like too dark and like the the coloring was off and weird and when they were fighting it just felt like they were too you know it was like it got very cg at sometimes um and i just wasn't really happy with the fight uh another thing uh, was I wanted to, what would have been great was was maybe to see Batman build or Bruce Wayne build the armored Batman suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he just comes out. He's like on the roof, like coming out, you know, coming from behind the corner, and he's like already got it on. And it's like, oh, that'd have been great to see him like build that with Alfred in like a quick little montage or something, you know? Right. Uh, that'd have been great to see. Yeah, I feel the same way. That. I'm looking forward to a movie that's literally called Batman vs. Superman, and the title fight lasts like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And the fight itself, well, you you kind of keyed in on like how it looked, but for me, it was the speed. Like it, I know Batman's weighed down and shit, but still, like the the actual movement itself was just slow. Yeah. Then you go to the scene where he's, you know, that was in the trailer where he's fighting a bunch of bad dudes without the armor. And it's way fast and awesome. 
it, it just feels like that was like two totally different choreographers for those two scenes, you know? Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Because um, you'll see some stuff where like that, that one shot where they're like running at each other, and it's a wide shot, and, and you know they kind of clash. Um, and then there's a, I guess when he gets when Superman gets doused with the kryptonite. And it's like that would have been great to see Batman do like he did with the with the the security guards or whatever you, uh, those guys, right? Um, like him just like smash and grapple like Superman, like take him down and use maybe some gadgets that he might have within the armor to uh, disengage him. You know? Yeah, it's man, it, that that whole sequence. I I just could not believe how fast it was when I was watching the movie. You guys had mentioned Alfred on the uh, yeah. episode before. Uh, I like Jeremy Irons. I liked him as Alfred, but I feel like every time he had he spoke, he had like he would talk to Bruce Wayne about he. There was something about somebody. Something had there was mention of children, and yeah. uh, and then I think um, Alfred said, "Yeah, it'd be great to you know in case in case there's some kids here, you know." Uh, Bruce Wayne says something. And then, like under Alf- Alfred, under his breath, basically goes, "Well, I guess we'll never have any kids. You know, never see that." And right, there was a lot of times where he would say something, but then under his breath, sort of like say something bad about what he just said, or like, well, "I guess that's not going to happen." Um, and I feel like that that was most of his dialogue for him. And I was like, oh, maybe he could have done it once or twice, but I feel like, it was that, like apparently uh, that dialogue was lifted. That particular thing you just said was lifted from dark Knight returns. Alfred does say that in the comics, but it, it might not have been as organic as it needed to be, you know? Sure. And again, like you can feel like once or twice, that's fine. But like, <laughs> like for the three scenes, like Alfred was in, there was at least one or two bits of dialogue where he would sort of undercut what he just said by like, well, I guess that won't happen. I'll just, you know, kind of go back in my hole. Yeah, he was a little bit underplayed and a little bit monotone, huh? Yeah. Man, what a Yeah, that was like my brothers know, I have been talking about this movie for years. <laughs> and ever since especially when they got Terrio on board to rewrite it, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, they're really going to like do something yeah. special this time." And then it was just like I know you've mentioned his name. What who is he? Who? Terrio. Chris Terrio was brought in to rewrite the first draft that Goyer wrote. And probably Goyer took a draft from George Miller's um, failure to launch Justice League movie from years ago. Okay. But why, or at least at least some some elements of it. But who is who is Chris Terrio? Why should I care about this? Okay, guy? so Chris Terrio wrote Argo. Okay. Gotcha. Like a, a, like a few, like six months to a year after Batman was cast and everybody hated Ben Affleck, magically Ben Affleck's boy comes into the picture. Uh, you know, Academy Award winner, uh, Chris Terrio that won the award for writing Argo. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it felt like, oh, this guy's going to really like do some justice. And... Right it just didn't pull through and it might not have been entirely his fault. You know, this is the kind of movie that has like a thousand hands on every step of the process, you know? Yeah. There, everybody's sort of, there's too many cooks, you know, way too many cooks on this one. I mean, it, it, it does feel that way. Cause I mean, look, Snyder is really polarizing, but I mean, if you compare this movie to Watchmen and man of steel and 300, 
mm-hmm. like it's not as good as those you know it's i feel like i feel when like, you agree yeah i feel like with snyder and with a lot of these sort of big action directors i feel like all they need is a decent script and they can make a good movie it's i feel like that they just are given bad scripts for whatever reason and yeah yeah they make it look nice but that's that's usually ends up being it that's all you get yeah he uh i i feel like since this one was so much worse than the others uh i think even he was stepped on quite a bit for for this one you know because this is like warner brothers like big big property it's their two biggest characters right um, I mean, other than Harry Potter, probably, and Lord of the Rings. But, like, those franchises are done for the moment. And <clears throat> this is all they got. And they said that Warner Brothers only has 20 movies out this year. I don't know what the norm is, but they the article made it seem like 20 is pretty low. Like, they're, fo- they're focusing on doing less. And so that a lot, like, a shitload was hin- hinging on this movie being really good. Sure. And I am glad to see it, like, making a lot of money. But at the same time, it's like you're going to focus all this energy on this and you, you turn this out. Right. It's just like, come on, man. Right. Like it's like we said, two years, you know, we've sort of uh, been sort of watching this unfold. And, you know, just as we've seen, like with Spider-Man 3 and sort of other movies where they continue to add characters and villains. And it just feels like it, it goes away from the, you know, the, the title of the film. You know, you start. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, here's the thing. Like people always talk about like the characters being an issue. Yeah, that's kind of an issue. But no one's saying that about Civil War. And I guess it's because they have a lot of movies to back that storyline. But yeah, yeah, you no, you're completely you're completely right. And I guess maybe because they have. Maybe they sort of set the the bar with how to do that correctly. I don't know. It's, I completely understand. Maybe it's just, there's a lot, there's, there's uh they work as a team. So they're kind of always together. Then right. It's like Avengers. It's about the Avengers. And I guess even Captain America is going to have a, you know, a, a big cast of characters. Right. But yeah, no, I mean, you can, you completely, uh, you know, hit something with that for sure. Um, yeah, it's maybe it's just because they have a lot, lot, lot more storyline before that. But I think that a big cast of characters doesn't necessarily hurt a film, but it often does. And I, that's what I was hoping that Chris Terrio would be able to handle was like all the moving parts. But um, and you know what, this the overall screen time for every character was pretty decent, so that was okay. But it, I don't know, it's yeah, just I'll, I'll it's the fight and like. Um, just like the way they ended the fight and they're being like the, the cameos not being handled well at all. Um, yeah, the, which, which was so weird to me, the, uh, flashpoint scene came out of nowhere. Yes. Like, totally out of nowhere. Usually, if you, usually if, 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 if in a film you have like a dream sequence, uh, there's kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess, a. a easy way to kind of guide the audience into it. Like maybe somebody, they get up from their bed and something crazy happens and they wake up back in their bed or something. But this kind of just out of nowhere, like Batman's in this, in the suit uh, or in his like gear and like it's wars happening all around. Then there's like bugs flying around. And it's like, what am I watching? (laughs) Yeah. That would have been a great, like, 
uh, end credit scene. Yeah, you know, it would of, have. Whoa, what the hell is this? And then I, I don't know who was that that sort of popped through the portal. Was Dude, that, and like, it was, it was, he was largely unrecognizable. Yeah, complete, I didn't know who that was. I'm like, is that Red Hood with sort of like a metal mask? Or like, I didn't know who that only was. reason I knew is I finally figured out his face because I've seen Ezra Miller talk about Flash in some interviews online. Right. And then, and then I think I noticed the red. He did, ha- he did have some red on, but still it was like, like you and me were, you even more than me are like comic book fans and we have a hard time figuring this out. This, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So, so it was Ezra Miller from the Flash TV show. Ezra Miller is not from the show. That's Grant Gustin. But Ezra Miller's he's been cast for a while, and they're just waiting on these movies to be to be made. Um, he's already like he's done some interviews about becoming the Flash and and all that. And I guess they're about to ramp up and and do all that because, uh, I mean, they start in what in ten days now. They begin production on Justice League. Oh yeah. Dude, yeah, it's like I think I read April eleventh. Like they're not wasting any time. Okay, so Ezra Miller was the yeah. Okay, so he was the kid in the gas station that stopped the robbery. Yes, that's him. Yeah. Okay, so same kid. Okay. Yeah. To me, he's he's felt the most off. Like I didn't think Ben Affleck was bad. I didn't think Gal Gadot was bad. Just Ezra Miller just feels a bit too like. He just looks like he smoked a shitload of weed all the time. Yeah. It was, he, just, he has that look, you know, like he's stoned and he probably is. And that's weird. It's weird for DC to, I, I kind of feel to do this, to have like such a good show or shows with the arrow and green or, uh, and the flash and uh Supergirl, uh, just for the movies to sort of like, act like they don't exist, like sort of recast them to me. It feels weird. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Sort of I think universe in a way, because I feel like Supergirl sort of, I don't know. She says there's Superman, but you don't really see his face. It may, may not necessarily be. Yeah. Um, they, they probably want to go off like this multiverse thing. And then. Okay. There's, okay. there's some, there's some way that like the CW has its, is its own verse and they're already going in the multiverse in the flash show. So sure. it's been, sense. it's been established, but yeah, it, I think it's also like the kind of actors that you have for TV, especially CW shows and Supergirl. That's a, it's not even just tone. It's a it's acting style. That's different from what Snyder wants. Probably. I think that's the case. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe it's not even just Snyder. Maybe it's Warner Brothers uh, producers and shit, but that seems to be the case. Yeah. All right. It's a big-ass plane going overhead. Yeah, I hear. I don't know if you can hear that. But all right, yeah, let's... Uh, what, else, what else we got? Um, I know we're waiting on Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy's he's still a no-show. The plan was for Jeremy to talk about um, his recent trip to Germany, so... If he doesn't show up today, we could probably get him on maybe next week. Um, but this is a good little continuation. <clears throat> yeah, I was can... talking about like, are you do, do you have anything else you want to say about bats v soups before we head on before uh, we continue on? I think all my so I sort of mentioned on my big sort of 
I guess, gripes about it. Uh, I mean, the end scene with, uh, you know, the end fight scene, like the last 20 minutes was, they did a really good job with it. I thought it, uh, I enjoy, actually enjoyed watching that. The Doomsday uh, fight? Fight with Doomsday, seeing Wonder Woman fucking kick ass. Everything Wonder Woman did was great. Right. Um, she looked, she looked awesome in her World War One picture. Right. Yeah, they killed it with her for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Will you see Justice League, even though you hated this one? Uh, you know, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and that's... Because it's what it is, I'll definitely go see it. Um, I've seen worse. You know, I'm going to go enjoy it, and hopefully it's just they. It's just not a sloppy mess like this one was. Man, it seems like it might be the same thing, but yeah, we're... We're addicted. We're going to see it anyway, right? Let's hope that they are going to try and stick with maybe getting one or two writers, stick with a vision, and just stay with it. You know? like Hopefully they go off that George Miller script. Yeah, like look at the problems that they've had with this one. I know even though they've made a ton of money, they probably won't give a shit. Um, But, you know, we'll see where it goes because I feel like, I mean, there's not that many big movies coming out. For, for a week or two dude they this has actually been noted that I've, I've read in a couple articles it was released at a great time because there isn't anything for like two weeks or so right so the that, next I, thing I, is like jungle book and there's spring break coming up and all that like they they they're pretty good like they probably can make their money back i feel like it'll stay number one for sure for a little bit and just how much money they're going to make i think everybody cleared the, out the schedule because they expected this to just dominate you know and it has been. Fans aren't listening to critics that much, seems like. I mean, Mar- March, April, and May, for the most part, are usually pretty chill. Supposedly, the, the, the budget was um, like $250 million, mm-hmm. and then, but then like total, like with all the uh, advertising, was $400 million. Oh, And yeah. then, first, I don't know how they get these numbers, but apparently the movie needs to make $925 million to actually turn a profit nearly a billion dollars. Yeah. The movie's got to make it's, it's money back plus more to actually make money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they're already, uh, over 500 million worldwide. So they're already halfway there more than halfway. So, um, yeah, hopefully I do. I do kind of hope that it, it makes that goal. And then we're, you know, then we can get more of them, but I do. I, yeah, of course I do hope they're better than the, than this last one was. Yeah. I, dude, I was actually just having this conversation and I was, this is a total tangent, but I was wondering what your thoughts were on this. This is a game of Thrones conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, remember in the first season where, uh, Daenerys and Cal Drogo first get together on their wedding night. Mm-hmm. How did you view that scene? Uh, I mean, I had when I when I was watching the first season as it was coming out, I was literally like, uh, like just ahead of the show. I was reading the book. Okay, so yeah. I basically just read that, and maybe like a week later, the episode came on. Um, I mean, to me, I'm trying to remember. Um. Cause I remember that there's the part where like 
uh, let's see. She she says no. She's like no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he but then he starts to repeat no as well. And then they sort of like, uh, you know, I guess he seems because he, he, when he first comes out, he seems like a brute. Like he's probably just going to take her and just throw her around and rape her and, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then as they sort of they, they get together, it seems like that he's less of that and more kind. Um. That's from what I remember. So I, I could remember this. Maybe this is the second sex scene where he's actually more of a kind uh, brute. But uh, yeah, what, what, what were you guys saying about it? The, the the reason I ask is because when I first watched that, and, I, and again, I haven't read the books, but when I first watched that, I read that scene as a kind of like a rape scene, mm-hmm. basically. It seemed, well, she was being disrobed while crying, right? Right, right. And even in like the later episodes, she starts to love him and stuff. And the whole time I was thinking, is this Stockholm syndrome? Is she like loving her rapist? This is so weird. And supposedly the books end that chapter with her saying yes, but I don't remember that happening in the actual show. And I, I've talked to some other people about this and even girls like said that they, they don't really think that it was rape, but I totally like, but the bottom line, I know this is kind of a heavier conversation than, than what you were expecting, but the bottom, the bottom line is like, did she want to do that? And it feels like no. And then one person has told me recently that she got into that marriage knowing what would happen. And even though she was crying, she accepted it. But it was still like, I don't know, man, it still doesn't feel, doesn't feel right, even, even with all that, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, cause you know, cause she, she basically has her brother Viserys. that's just like basically just knocking her down every chance he can get. And just like, you know, so her self-esteem has got to be shit. It's just like, Hey, right. we got to build our, our dynasty. You know, the Targaryen lineage has to continue. We have to get our ships and go take it from the, you know, from the Baratheons. Right. And so, like, he basically, she kind of knows that she's going to have to get married off to get warriors. And so she obviously doesn't want to do it, but she definitely wants her kingdom back, too, even though she doesn't really remember it very well. She just knows that that's her lineage. That's where she belongs. Um, And so, yeah, I guess maybe it's... Maybe there's a bit of Stockholm syndrome in there for sure, because she kind of feel, you know, as as she gets into it, it sort of becomes, I guess, a duty uh, because I know where this will lead. Um, obviously, this sucks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess you could definitely see that there is some rape involved, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's not like a necessarily like a forced rape. It's like, I don't really want to do this, but. If I need to get my kingdom back, this is what I have to do as uh, as a bride or what have you. Um, she gets with him for like political reasons, I guess. That's part of it. And of yeah, course, this yeah. is a, this is a fake story anyway, yeah. but it's worth it's, like, it's worth talking about, I guess. But it's like she, just it's like they used to do, just marrying off uh, family to family, you know, to sort of to bind kingdoms and, and, and yeah, whatever, you know. To me, to me, I, maybe I'm reading it too simply, but it's just like she 
did she want to do that? Did she like that guy at that time? On top of that, did he force himself on her? The answer to all these questions is yes to me. So that's why I make my conclusion that it was, that it was rape. But I, I it just kind of boggles my mind that other people don't see it like that. But maybe maybe I am wrong. I don't know. No, I can I can definitely. I think you're right for sure. Um, I think that this. I don't think it's uh, that simple. I guess because if you think about when the show sort of takes place, obviously it's a fantasy show, um, but it would sort of nest, take place back in like you know sort of the medieval times, um, and that's kind of how things went. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely like. I think you're right. I think people who say uh, it might not be for reasons are right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's not. Right. But. Yeah, I was. I, I, I've gotten to a few like arguments with about this scene, and I, I don't know. It's to me, it's like sure she's in that situation, and sure she was just doing that for a political move, but. At the same time, it's not – you couldn't – maybe it was consensual, but just because of the reasons for – she knew it was political. But still, it's like there's a thing called like moral relativism and moral absolutism. And if you're – like the classic example is is like if you're a relativist, you think that it, just because something is somebody else's culture, it's okay. But – like if you look at female castration in Africa, that's their culture, but that's not okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. there's, uh, I mean, there was slavery in the South. That was very much part of Southern culture in the U.S. at that time. That wasn't right. Right. Um, so I do, I lean towards the absolutism, especially with, with stuff like that. It's like I don't, I don't care if it's your culture, you know. Well, right. No, I, it's like saying, you know, with like proposed marriages, uh, or arranged right. marriages. Right, right, right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not marrying somebody you love who you found and you want to make a family together. It's like, again, like putting you up with somebody who's, uh, higher status, um, or maybe the same status, um, which it's not necessarily for love, but for gain and profit, you know. Which is what marriage was to begin with, at right. least as far as I can tell. Like it, marriage started out, at least in the West, in Rome, as um, the father selling off his property, meaning his daughter, to somebody else for political gain or for just for money. Right. Like marry into a better house or something. But, uh, Sure. Again, but that's at, that's something at that time, and I know that it happened. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with the morals of that, because then I mean we still have that tradition of giving away the daughter, the father giving away the daughter at, at the wedding, right? Right. Like that's that hints at that old tradition, and that's and it, it, not and something it, I really agree with. You know, those are things that obviously have happened in the past, and I think we've at least for. Uh, here in the West and other countries as well, I think we've sort of grown and sort of moved past that and sort of made it to where like we can actually marry somebody we want to marry. We right. 
fall in love with instead of it being like, you know, a, a father and a, a mother sort of arranging a marriage for someone it being, you yeah. know, that being the norm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's other countries that have their uh, traditions, whether we may find them good or bad, uh, you know, but I think we continue to grow as a society and, you know, like most most traditions are just like whatever like okay asian people bow then instead of ha- shaking hands okay fine you know they drink yeah. like this or people in arabic countries they don't use forks they use their hands it's like okay that's fine i don't give a fuck about that it's 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 these other issues like well especially like slavery or like the um how people treat women you know Right, and in those in those traditions aren't hurting anyone. Yeah. Know? You want to talk about screening room? Uh, I haven't really read too much lately about it, but um, just kind of just kind of mention it real quick. Um, you know, it's a service that uh, uh, uh I'm blanking on the guy's name, Parker. Uh, Napster the- guy, right? Yeah. He's sort of like campaigning with this startup company, and they basically want to do this thing called the Screening Room, which is basically bringing uh, movies like Batman vs Superman. The day it comes out in theaters, you can actually rent it and watch it in your home. Um, yeah, I think that I think that all this is a great idea. Um, I think that the studios and like the theater companies are going to have a big problem with this. I think uh, there's a lot of uh, directors, producers, and you know, big names that we all know who are against for and against this. Uh, right. I think that it will be a really great thing if you think about um, going to going to the movies. Uh, if, like, say, if you're a parent and you have kids, just going to go see one movie can cost you a hundred dollars. Yeah, tickets, definitely. With popcorn and candy and drinks. Uh, some people have to pay for parking. Um, some people have to tra- tra- drive like long distances. Um, yeah. you think about how many friends or family members you talk to, how often do they actually go see a movie? Uh, other than us, it's very few. Right. Um, and another thing for like smaller movies, like we in LA get a lot of the smaller movies that, uh, nobody else knows about, uh, sort of the indie film, um, the foreign movie, uh, we get a lot of those and a lot of them will have a small run in the theater and then they just go away. Uh, right. I think it's something like the screening room could help, uh, get a bigger audience for that film, that smaller movie. Um, you think about like the, the Oscars that come out when the Oscars come out, you know, they're the, the short films, uh, the, you know, like, how do you get, where do you, where in the theater do you go to see like a short film other than like, again, like at LA when they have an actual like Oscar showcase? Yeah. I, great to have that film where you can rent it and watch it. And, you know, most of us have like a flat screen. I mean, what's the, what's the deal with it? Like exactly like, do you, you rent like a, you rent like a projector or, or like, what do you, what is it? No, it's, it's like iTunes. It's like, you, ah. like iTunes. 
you would just you would rent the film and I guess it would download to whatever piece of equipment that you get. I think and it would be way more than usual or what? Like a Yeah, I think that they're trying to right now it'd be it would be like fifty bucks a movie. Fifty bucks for the movie. Yeah. So if you think about if you're somebody who has a family, again, like doing all that, fifty bucks may may make sense. But if you're yeah. like you and me, and I, you know, it's me and my wife, like fifty bucks seems like a lot. Right. Uh, if you can maybe knock it down to like twenty twenty five, we might have a deal. Right. But I mean that that probably will happen eventually. I mean, yeah. I think there's a bigger. I, I, I've been thinking about this today actually. There's a bigger picture going on here. Like we are we're in like some crazy like um, transition period from from how movies are watched and the whole like film industry and uh, entertainment worldwide. I mean. We're looking at 2017, only a year away, where China is going to overtake America for the biggest uh, box office country. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. And that's going to affect things in a big way. And um, we have, like, most kids growing up watching YouTube videos instead of putting in their favorite movie, whether it be VHS or DVD, right? Or Blu-ray. Right. And um, just, the, like, the way people watch stuff, the 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 industry uh, worldwide and like also like how people make it like a PewDiePie making like millions of dollars from streaming video games. Um, and like the screening, the screen screening room thing, that'll be another thing. I, I think that's going to happen probably in the next five years at, at the, at the latest. And yeah, yeah. if you compare that to like how it was like 15, 20 years ago where, um, you made a short film, you put it out, you got noticed by a producer, you got picked up. That was basically the only way, or, you, you know, you, uh, like there was no YouTube. You couldn't become you know, like famous online on your own. You yeah. had to become part of the Hollywood system or New York yeah. in some capacity. It's like, or you already and you the China wasn't in the picture whatsoever. And there was no digital. It was all film. Like you had to be rich as hell to make a movie. Um, this, I, to me, I know I'm, I probably went on a tangent, but I look at the screening room thing as like just another part of the changing landscape of what we're, what's happening. What do you think yeah. about that? No, I think it is. And I think that they, the producers and studios should definitely like look into it because it would, it would make them more money. People are still going to go to the theater. It's basically, basically what it is. Screening room is, is just another option to watch the it's basically another option to watch a film um, because if you get something like Batman versus Superman uh, or Civil War that's going to come out, sort of a big blockbuster movie, um, we're all going to want to mostly see that in the theater. You know, uh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, I can okay. hear you. Uh, you'll want to see it on the big screen uh, and even other films. You'll just, you know, if you can, if you're if you're big, if you're into that, you'll still go to the theater. Um, it might lower piracy too, to a certain degree, maybe not a lot, but some. Yeah, I think it could do that. And plus like you're kind of cutting out the middleman for, um, distribution as well. Right. You can show your movie now to other countries, um, without having to make crazy, ridiculous, uh, uh, box office or theater deals, you know, kind of whatever, whatever, whatever sort of deals they make. Um, but yeah, it's just another option for people to watch your movie. And I think it 
for the smaller movie, I think it can get a bigger audience. And I think that's good for them. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you look at like Nolan and Spielberg where they're against it and Nolan, especially is, you know, he's old school in that sense. He, he doesn't even like video. So, um, I, I mean, look, he's, he's probably my favorite director. Um, he's just done almost everything he's done has been great. So his, his work is awesome, but his, uh, I, I do think that like, he's going to be left behind with that stuff. Like they, I, just the way people make films, the way people do movies, this whole thing is changing, man, that we, you're, you're like fighting, you're going to be fighting the whole like world if you're against this stuff, you know? Right. <clears throat> and, but like Tarantino and Nolan who only want to shoot film. Yeah. That's great. They can still do that. And then your movie can still be viewed somewhere else. Right. Uh, like on a phone or hopefully, you know, on a TV or whatever, what have you. Um, if they want to make their movie with film and kind of stay where they're at, that's, that's not really going to affect them. Um, you know, cause if their movie still comes out and everybody still goes to see it. Yeah. Uh, it's hold on one second. Again, I don't feel like it's going to cut into the, uh, the theater profits really. I, I mean, look, th like there's this other thing too. There's another aspect. There's people. I haven't researched what auteur theory is. It's auteur, like storyteller. Yeah. They're, um, they're saying that like the superhero genre, especially in with Marvel. Well, all of them, I guess now, like the, with the connecting universes and like no movie being a uh, contained unit. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes against what is called auteur theory, I think. Okay. And, but the, the thing is, it doesn't fucking matter. Like that's what people want. That's what we want as comic book fans. We like that kind of stuff, the interconnecting and all that. And like, you have like that genre changing the landscape in that way as well. And, um, who knows what's going to happen, man. I often th wonder about like the kids that grow up now and like they're they're like 10 11, you know 10 to 15 or whatever growing up with all these movies right a i think they're really spoiled but uh <laughs> with that that kind of stuff because we didn't have any of that growing up and b it's like it, they're not nostalgic like we are because they're still children right they can't be nostalgic yet so they're viewing it through a completely different lens and you have like a whole generation of us like 30 year olds and late 20 year olds that are like just hoping that our childhood is treated correctly. You know, I think that might be a first like the, the, we're just hoping like when they, these movies come out that we get that like good version of nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, you talked about them being kids and I think that eventually they'll, there will be, they'll have nostalgia for, for when they were kids, you know, when they get yeah. old, they'll, they'll definitely be nostalgic for them. Um, you had brought up the point of this auteur thing and, uh, with superhero genre interconnecting superhero movie, you know, they changing the landscape with like, with like Warner brothers sort of making 20 movies this year. Yeah shows that they're like again as it's after the writer strike man it's just everybody's in the collapse of the economy like oh wait they just stopped taking risks you know now that like the superhero thing is sort of a sure thing like yeah. 
what they put most of their money into. So now you get Warner Brothers, who's only going to come out with 20 movies this year. And it's like, it becomes unfair for the the other film that wants to get made. It, it uh, does feel like the superhero genre, as much as we love it, it has swallowed up yeah. almost everything else. Definitely. Like when, when was the last time we saw like a hangover type comedy movie that was a big hit? Like what happened to comedy movies? Right. I mean, yeah. Any, like the, it feels like the, the, the amount of genres has gone down. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, I mean, again, movies are still being made and they're still coming out um, by like smaller platforms, smaller studios, uh, you know, like A24 is a big one and Annapurna is a big one. Um, but yeah, like sort of the big main studios are, it's like YA novels and superhero movies. Um, and then your other like, whatever have you like Frankenstein or bond um, sort of franchises, you know, it's just all franchises. Right. And it's, you don't, and then like, you know, you'll get that Nolan and Tarantino, but of course that's Nolan and Tarantino. They're, you know, they're at the top of their game. So every, you know, they're going to get their movie made. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the whole thing is changing, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like even, even the keep going. I'm sorry. Even I'm the big sorry. studios are probably putting a lot of their money into their their TV shows now because they're because TV shows become become so big in the past ten years. That's that is that's the biggest change, right? Like from from '90s to now, like TV being better than movies used well, to be the other way around, but now it's not like yeah. I mean, it started, I guess, with like. I guess Sopranos was sort of the, the first one. Um, and then like Lost and Heroes. And then it just started to like uh, continue. It just grew. Right. The Mad Men and, and then Breaking Bad, of course. We're jumping a little bit. But yeah, like the, the whole like meta narrative thing, too. Actually, wasn't wasn't Lost to really make that popular back in the early 2000s, like to have like a full on narrative that wasn't like 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 X Files in the nineties. Everything was kind of a one shot. Yeah. Like Lost was Lost and Battleship Galactica. Like they ran around the same time, and they both had like, I think they're called meta narrative. Which is one narrative. It's it's just basically not maybe it's the wrong terminology, but it's where not everything's a one shot. Like it's all like a connect continuation. Yeah. And it Lost was was maybe the first to popularize it again. In America, you think? Well, I thought I thought it was Sopranos that did that. No, uh, maybe maybe you're right about that. I, I actually never I've never seen Sopranos. And then and then like right after because Sopranos I think came out in like oh man, uh, it ended in like yeah. So I guess about 2002. Uh huh. It came out. I'm not sure about that. Because it, it it ended in like 2008. Um, when I got out to LA, so yeah, I think it was like 2001 or two is when it came out. But yeah, that's when TV started to really change. I could see that. I mean, HBO and Showtime were like leading the way for a while. Like people like talking about Gary Shandling, that Larry Sanders show that set the stage for The Office, 
And then, of course, the way, you know, that whole like pseudo documentary style yeah. way of shooting that that became like the norm. That's like almost every show now. When I was a kid, I remember seeing the Larry Sanders show. And, uh, and, you know, I thought that Gary Shandling's name was Larry Sanders. So when I found out that that wasn't his name, I was like, well, why does he have a show that's not his name? Because I because I'd never seen it. Uh, I just Dude, always- my my parents watched it actually, and I, and I remember watching it a bit, and I remember being so confused by it. A, a because I was young, but B just because it was it was like this is like half. He's like talking to the camera sometimes. It's half real and yeah. half. I thought it was an drama. Actual- like what is going on here? I didn't understand like the 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 what they were doing whatsoever. Yeah, I just thought it was a talk show, but for some reason it wasn't his name. It's a different name. I- <laughs> yeah scripted series this was like in the mid 90s maybe early 90s and i just looked sopranos started in 99 99 and then and then what about larry sanders oh uh, that was started in the late 80s probably uh that, that makes sense yeah 87 maybe uh oh 92 to 98 Never mind. 92 to 98 was larry sanders yeah wow all right. And there was a Gary Shandling show too, or was that? Uh, yeah. I, then I, I think he, maybe the Gary Shand, Shandling show, I think was before Larry Sanders. Do you know why he was in Iron Man too? Yeah. Gary Shand, it's Gary Shandling show was. Uh, why was he in Iron Man too? Do you know why he showed up in Iron Man too? Why? Uh, because John Favreau got a start on Larry Sanders. Oh Yeah. Yes, uh, and Apatow was on there as well. That was like a really like uh, influential uh, cast and crew, I guess. Jeremy Piven was on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just saw another actor that was on the show, and I was like looking up pictures after Gary Shandling died. Um, anyway, it was some it was another actor who was on it. Yeah, I'm sure there was a ton of guest appearances. And- all right, here's the deal. Um, the reason I ask is because um, we might do this in segments, actually, because there's so much. But um, let's, we might even make this like a, a, a thing for the show. But um, so I'm going to explain to the listener for a second. Joey's wife has sent me some questions to ask Joey, and he has no idea I'm about to do this. Um, <laughs> And she, we thought it'd be funny to, to ask you, okay? Do this today? We can, I, I want to do at least one or two today. She oh. sent me, dude, she sent me 12. Yeah. When did, when did she send it to you? Like two or three weeks ago, but you wow. just haven't been able to get online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She, okay. So these are like kind of normal, like relationship questions, but she, she thought it'd be funny to ask you, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's number one. What do you say when... Can I say your first name? Yeah, you already said it. Did I say Kim? I yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. What do you say What do, What do you say when Kim asks you, do you look fat, does she look fat in this? What do you say to Kim directly? She, yeah, I don't ever think she has ever asked me that question. <laughs> say the truth. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, 
but I would definitely say no. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. I can't think she's ever asked. She'll, she'll ask me, like, how do I look in this? She, I don't think she's ever asked if I ever look, do I look fat? And what, uh, do you say, what do you say usually? I'd say, yeah, you look great. And, and, All right. Or, or I would say, I would, you know, since I've been with her for about 10 years now, and she's in fashion, I would maybe, I would give her like, hey, uh, maybe the top doesn't work with this or whatever. And we're pretty like, sort of a team with that. So I don't get like, you know, sort of the stink eye. If I'm like, nah, the top doesn't really work with that bottom. You know? So you're honest. Yeah. So I try to, I try to be honest, but again, I don't think she's ever asked me if I, do I look fat in this? So. All right. Let's go to the next one. She said, if you're out at a bar with her and you see a woman that looks like Sofia Vergara or something like that, and she catches you looking and then she asks, is she prettier than me? What, what would you say in this scenario, Joey? I would say no. <laughs> That's good. A good answer. You're playing on the safe side here. I can tell. I have to talk, have a talk with her. Now, if she, <laughs> asked, now if she asked me if she, is she pretty or Pr- prettier and can't know if she were to ask me if she's pretty, I would say, uh, yeah, she is. But again, I don't think that's a question she's ever asked me. Is she prettier than me? Right. But, yeah. Okay. And we're going to do one last one. There's more, but I'm going to just save the rest for later. But uh, okay. this one, she takes it in a whole new level, man. God. So also, like, again, for the listener, Kim is <laughs> – Kim <laughs> – well, you can tell by this question. She says <laughs> – she says, what if, what if she wanted to wear a strap-on? What would you do? <laughs> What would your response be? I swear to God, she sent me this question, dude. Uh, I probably would tell her no. <laughs> okay. I mean, how how shocked would you be about that? I I think I'd be shocked because of the fact that she actually like went out and bought it, but I right. think I would probably laugh a lot. It'd be it'd be very funny for sure. But she if she wanted would... to buy it, she'd be really serious. She'd be like, oh, he. He probably like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we'd have a talk. We'd uh, <laughs> you gonna talk with her about this afterwards? Her, uh, her intentions with said strap on. All right, she might be into it, man. You don't know. Yeah, you might be into it, bro. We're not gonna have a talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh. She sent me some more, but uh, all right. I thought that would be it for now. All right, leaving Joey's corner for today. Sorry to spring that on you, man. That's no, okay. This is Joey from LA. Um, yep. Marks um, talked about Game of Thrones. Excited for the new season. Uh, bummed that the book couldn't be out, so I can. Uh, stay ahead but it's going to be interesting we talked about sort of uh uh alternate universes this is kind of going to be the game of thrones sort of alternate universe uh it splits uh basically the beginning of the season though there will be the book story and the story from the show so i'm interested to see you know see where they go with it 
And this has been Andrew from Los Angeles once again. Thank you for listening. Again, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes when you search for Thundercast Podcasts, not Superhouse, because Superhouse is actually part of Thundercast Podcasts. Um, and also I'm on Twitter at, at Thunderwolf Live, and you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash thunderwolflives. Um, <clears throat> also thunderwolflives.com if you if you're really want to see more. But uh, Joey, you have any social media or anything? Uh, I do not. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So if you have questions or comments or whatever, just uh, drop us a line there. Um, probably going to make an email at some point too, maybe um, just for this podcast and I'll give all the members uh, the password and stuff for it. But um, basically that's it. And um, we're going to be recording again on Sunday and probably be released on Monday. So yeah, thanks a lot. And we'll catch you later. Yeah. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.